0: Hey, everyone. My name is Mike Connors. I'm an assistant news editor for the Massachusetts Daily Collegian, the only student-run print and online newspaper here on the UMass campus, serving the community since 1890. And this is the official podcast for the news section of the Collegian called the Collegian News Hour. We're recording today's episode on St. Patrick's Day, Sunday, March 17th. But this is going to come out on uh, Tuesday at 8 o'clock, just like every installment of our podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So here in the studio with me to recap the stories that they've covered in the past week or two, I guess, because of spring break, uh, are the rest of the news team. So uh, if you want to introduce yourselves.
1: Um, Catherine Esten. Irina Kostaki.
2: Abby Charpentier.
0: Will Malice. All right. And uh, let's just let's just go right into it. Uh, the first story that we have to talk about today um, is this happened this past week uh, during spring break. This happened on Friday. Uh, so this was a walkout from Ambers Regional Public High School. Um, So a bunch of students from that high school walked out of class on Friday afternoon uh, to the Town Common as part of a worldwide protest against climate change. Uh, So they were joined by parents, teachers, community members, and even some students from the middle school. Uh, And the protest attended, uh, was attended by close to 200 people. Uh, I was there. There were, you know, a lot of talk there about um, the Green New Deal. So that's an economic stimulus plan to address uh, climate change in the U.S., championed by uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House and Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey in the Senate. Um, So what do we think about just the overall walk, uh, the walkout overall, maybe its effectiveness, and do you think that this... International response because this this isn't just localized to Amherst. Uh, The international response to this is a powerful, like enough message to send to lawmakers.
1: I think it definitely says a lot that uh, I wasn't in the area this past week, but looking at it looks like the marches and walkouts happened all over the United States and in other countries, and I think it really says something that this is a movement that is youth-led. You know. Although the speakers tend to be people like senators, congresspeople, there's definitely a lot of student speakers, and it's nice to see so many young activists.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree. And to your point, kind of mentioned in the article, um, some of the people who were interviewed, they, they kind of talked about how you know young people are going to be the ones who kind of face the brunt of uh, of climate change. So it's kind of them who are going to need to like take charge on you know, being activists and getting legislation passed? and
1: uh, I mean, I've seen a lot on the Green New Deal, and I definitely understand with the issue of climate change why the activists tend to be younger, because it is very much, uh, especially when it's people under 18, you know, they can't pass laws, they can't make those decisions, um, but these laws will affect them in the future. Uh, and I think it was with Senator Feinstein, a lot of people were arguing, you know, you're going to be out of office in a few years regardless, uh, because she said... At the time, I'm not sure if this is still true, but there was one point she was against the Green New Deal and proposed a different deal. Uh, but I think the passage of the Green New Deal definitely would represent a lot of interests that are nationwide
0: now. What does this have to say about like Massachusetts politics, about Ed Markey being somebody championing this?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know much about Ed Markey's voting history, but I'd assume since he's a co-sponsor, he's definitely done a lot with climate change in recent years. Uh, And it's definitely interesting to see someone who's definitely not the more well-known Massachusetts senator taking the lead on this. I've just noticed in a lot of D.C. publications, they almost always get something wrong about Ed Markey. Uh, I've seen him cited as a senator from Rhode Island. I've seen him cited with his last name spelt wrong with two E's instead of E-Y. And that's just something funny to see and think, well, you know, they all know who Elizabeth Warren is, and I'm sure they've never gone wrong who she is. Um, But then Ed Markey is gaining the support of a lot of Massachusetts representatives and Massachusetts in-state Congress people.
0: Anybody else have anything to say about this? All right, let's move on to the SGA arena and uh, Catherine. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about last week.
1: Uh, so actually, this started the day after our last podcast. Uh, so it was the morning of our last podcast release. All of this new information came out. Uh, so I'll start it off just based where it was the next day. So the Elections Commission, which originally... They hadn't released who the presidential winner was. They confirmed that it was Timmy Sullivan, who's the current incumbent, uh, and the new vice president, the vice presidential candidate, uh, Hayden Latimer-Ireland. However, this isn't actually finalized. So in the SGA, in order for election results to be final, the Senate has to pass them. And that's not what happened.
4: Yeah. So last Monday was the meeting that this like just went on, but not like a ton actually got resolved. So... Yeah, you said that the SGA needs to actually ratify the results of the election, so even though the Elections Commission did technically say that Timmy won by 11 or 12 votes, they still need to actually ratify this. Um, But at the very beginning of the meeting, um, Allie McCandless, who was also running for president, and then also Senator Tim Ennis, both urged senators to table that motion. So tabling it would just mean that they would look at this motion at a later date, so probably on Monday tomorrow, um, and they usually table motions because they think that there needs to be some changes made to it, um, which they did think so. Um, so Ennis was saying that there was like new evidence of violations coming up that Timmy's campaign had um, done, that these violations, Ali said, affected hundreds of people. So she really thinks that this could have swayed the election immensely. Um,
0: what are those pieces of evidence that she's bringing up?
4: I don't think that we know yet. Uh, so,
1: but we don't know I'll the new wrong. evidence. Uh, prior to the meeting, there were new complaints, which is why they delayed the decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I talked to Allie shortly after, she's actually pressing a case in the judiciary, which is another branch of the Student Government Association. Uh, And most of them are concerning They were either campaigning during suspensions, uh, they had non-registered campaign workers campaigning, uh, or another big one that a lot of people were talking about was Hayden Latimer-Ireland, the vice presidential candidate, uh, posted in a class Moodle discussion, and that's the online network that students do classwork in. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Another another one of these complaints that somebody on the Sullivan Latimer-Ireland ticket used a CEPA group meet chat to, that was another complaint, but not the one in question, right? Mm-hmm. Or are we on? Un- uh, so that was that?
1: one of the six in question.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I understand. Okay. So uh. there was the Moodle discussion. There's that one. There are a few, I guess. And the elections commission did, uh, you know, admit that they did overlook some of these pieces of evidence. Correct.
1: Uh, so a lot of them came in on the final day of campaigning or shortly after ballots closed. Uh, so it was kind of the elections commission reflecting and saying. Uh, it was possible those could have resulted in more than a suspension. Uh, and Ali McCandless and Moksha Maraju are contending the saying, well, if they should have been suspended, that affected the election results, and the election should be redone.
0: Mm-hmm. So how long does the Senate have to ratify these elections? And if they don't do it by a certain point, what happens?
1: Uh, so it's until the end of March. And if it is not done by the end of March, it calls on the Elections Commission
4: to formally hold a second election. Yeah, 30-day period. Um, so it's coming up soon. Uh, I think that tomorrow is probably the last day we have until then, or most likely is when it should be ratified. And if not, then that'll probably look like a special election. Um, But yeah, Timmy at the meeting sort of pushed back against this and said that like just in general, the bylaws were really restrictive and he criticized them saying that they just didn't allow for a lot of the grassroots campaigning. So um, he kind of just made the argument that like in the first place, these rules weren't super great for like conducting um, a campaign.
0: So. To me, it does seem that Allie has somewhat of a case to bring this to the judiciary. Right. She, you know, she's bringing it up for good, for good reason. It seems the Elections Commission did admit that they overlooked a piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, what I'm wondering is just what the long-term strategy is here. Is is, is 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 Allie's ticket trying to like obscure the results for long enough that um, like keeping them in question? suspended in the judiciary or just tabled at SGA Senate meetings long enough that it won't get ratified by the date that it's supposed to and just a special elections held and everything is wiped clean?
1: Uh, I mean, I'd say the two outcomes that would be most beneficial to the McCandless team would be one if another election held. uh, It would basically be the entire election, like more people could run for president, we could see new candidates. Uh, But then the other option uh, could possibly be that Sullivan's ticket is invalidated and by default McCandless would be declared the winner so I mean that would probably be the most ideal outcome if you're on the McCandless team right now Um, but the judiciary doesn't really have a precedent of ever doing that it's been quite a few years since they've dissolved the team and I don't believe they've ever done it post ballots closing
0: so that's Mm -hmm. all been done while elections are happening Mm -hmm. yes so if
1: someone does something very egregious during the election process then it can be dissolved
0: so there's a possibility that there, a special election is held, some new ticket gets enough signatures to get placed on the ballot, and neither Timmy Sullivan nor Ally McCandless win.
1: That, that is a possibility.
0: I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's, like, that's very interesting. I feel like we haven't had this dramatic of an SGA debacle in a while, so.
1: No, and it's definitely bringing a lot of attention to it. Uh, just hearing students talk around campus uh, a lot of people who might have not even voted in the original election are either... You know, there's definitely a mix of emotions, but I'd say annoyance is probably the big one. Yeah. And I'd say the the two big words are election reform going into next year.
0: I, I wonder what happens to Stephanie Margolis. She gets another chance.
1: Yeah, I wonder if she'd do better a second time around.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see what happens. Uh, so let's move on to the next story. Abby, you wrote this one.
2: Yeah, so... Uh On April 7th, TEDx Amherst is holding a day-long event from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And so basically, um, at the time I wrote this in early March, four speakers had been announced. But um, as of today, I believe seven speakers have been announced. And so this uh, year's event is Solve for Why. And basically, it's going to question all sorts of topics. So one of the people I talked to, Jim Flynn, he is the founder of Pioneering Tech Companies and co-founder of the Kua Foundation. And uh, he's going to be speaking at this event. And he basically is going to be talking about privacy and online identity and stuff like that. So that's one example of the speakers. And speakers range from, you know, people in the community to students of UMass. I believe a student of Amherst College has recently been announced as a speaker. And uh, yeah, so the event will be on April 7th. The rest of the tickets will be available for purchase on May 22nd for $35.00 a piece uh, $25 for students they started releasing early bird tickets on March 1st and they sold out of those 100 tickets within four hours I believe huh. yeah
0: so is this the first time that like a TEDx conference has come to Amherst or um in
2: 2013 and 2014 there was TEDx UMass Amherst and then in 2015 there was TEDx Amherst and uh, Ruby Ramsey, who is this year's executive director of TEDx Amherst, she decided to bring it back.
0: Interesting. Cool. I saw that they have received over 200 speaker applications. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. I don't know. How, do, do you know how they're they going to go through that? I don't know how many people get to speak at this. So.
2: Yeah. Uh, I know that the TEDx Amherst, the license, it's basically for the town. So they really try to pick out speakers that would represent different uh, colleges. In the town and different members of the community so i think that was kind of their main um factor in deciding speakers
0: cool seems like you get uh free tedx swag too if you show up not sure
2: exactly what they'll be giving out but free stuff is always good
0: (laughs) free free ted talk merch everybody Mm -hmm. uh okay Let's move on to the last story. This is a fun one. Catherine, you uh, covered Tan France at Smith College, right?
1: Yes, so Smith College, uh, they host a big speaker every spring, uh, and this spring they hosted Tan France. Uh, So if you're a viewer of Netflix's Queer Eye, which is a big show in the past few years, and season three actually just came out last week, uh, Tan France is the fashion expert, and he's quite a fashion icon uh, based on the fact the room was full, uh, it was free for Smith students, $5 for five college students. Uh, and i definitely say Smith dominated the event, um, but it was definitely an entertaining event. He's a very fun speaker. So he revealed a lot of hints about season three, because at that point it hadn't come out yet. Uh, he definitely told a lot of stories about his coworkers and what it's like to be part of the Fab Five, which is the characters on the show. Uh, and then he also answered questions from the crowd, something I wasn't expecting him to do. So he was on stage, we're all in the audience, and at one point they said, okay, we have these questions people have submitted. Well, he jumped off the stage and began walking into the crowd to answer questions face-to-face.
0: Oh, that's cool. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And he also gave everyone a hug after they, not everyone in the audience, but everyone that asked a question.
0: I was going to say, you get a hug from Tan France.
1: I did not get a hug from Tan France, no. But other people were very excited, too. I didn't realize how big super fans of the show were.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so talk a little bit about that. You were saying off-pod a bit. That the I first... The first uh, row was just filled with like super like fans of Queer Eye. So what was the energy like? People in
1: the front row, uh, that included the media. So I was up towards the front. Uh, It was people who helped organize the event and who volunteered at the event. And then it was people who had been in front of the line. Mm. Uh, So when I got there, it was about 45 minutes before the start. It was pretty cold that night, but the line was already at least a quarter mile long. uh, And the people at the very front had been there for well over an hour uh, so they got the front of the road, and they knew, I think, the entire show by heart, because he would say something along the lines of, oh, in one episode, you know, it was really great to work with this guy, and he talked all about what it was like to talk to his stepmother, and someone just shouted out, AJ, episode seven, or something along those lines, because that was the guy's name on the episode, and that was the episode number. So that definitely caught me a bit off guard, because I was like, well, I remember the episode, but I didn't think about, this is some people's favorite show.
0: Yeah. Have you seen any of season three? Has anyone seen any Queer Eye season three? I
1: have watched. uh, I haven't watched all of it.
0: All right, thoughts? Thoughts? I'm enjoying it.
1: I think it's the best season yet.
0: I I watched like most of of season two and I enjoyed it. So maybe I should like finish that and watch season three.
1: Yeah, they're definitely, uh, to quote or to paraphrase Tan France, they're very in sync this season. They know each other a lot better. They've been friends for two years now compared to When the reality show started and they just met and they were strangers,
0: I have a question. This has had this show been like on air previously before it came to Netflix, or
1: Uh, so there was a previous incarnation of the show. Yeah, Um, and Tan France actually talked about that. So none of the original cast is in the Netflix show. This is a reboot about ten or fifteen years later, Uh, and he talked a lot about now. Back then, it was a big thing to have you know, five gay men as the main cast of a TV show. Mm -hmm. But he was saying, you know, they couldn't talk about their personal lives. If you watch the original show, they talk about being gay, but they never talk about what that means outside of the show. Uh, Whereas Tan talked a lot about what it means for him to have a husband, what it means for him to be Muslim, what it means for him to have uh, Pakistani heritage. Uh, And he was saying he thinks that's very important in the reboot is, you know, people are more willing to talk about their backgrounds today, and it's not as taboo as it was with the original show
0: really awesome yeah anybody have any other thoughts about it cool all right uh so let's keep it let's keep it consistent with the last podcast episode that we did we were talking about what we're gonna do during spring break but let's go around and talk about what we did do Catherine you can start
1: sure so I think I'm going to stay true to what I said last time I had a nice relaxing break at home watched some movies, watched some Netflix, uh, got a lot of errands done, and it was nice to spend time with family and friends before coming back.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I, I went to D.C., like I said. You know, those plans still still went through. I saw you, Mike, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just walking on the sidewalk. It was like, so random. Right but it near was the cool. Capitol building. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was cool. Like, I did meet AOC, Ilhan. We went to, like, this the Senate voting on Yemen and we were just watching like all the senators interact and it was really interesting to watch them all it was like National Geographic they were all just like mingling. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: who'd, you, who'd you go with?
4: Uh, so I was with like a bunch of students from here so we just were meeting with a bunch of organizations and legislators to learn about um, the issue of immigration. How, in was, the US.
0: how was meeting AOC? And it was on. cool
4: it was it wasn't planned like we wanted to meet with her but she couldn't because of like a committee thing going on so we just busy congress yeah yeah. i know (laughs) no she's always doing something so we just like went to her office to you know leave those like post-it notes on her plaque and right as we were about to leave like we were just taking a couple pictures she just like strolls by us like from behind like trying to get into her office and we all just like freaked out we're like oh my god like this is she's real so yeah yeah, we (laughs) we took some pictures and she was really nice and she looked really good as always because she's gorgeous um (laughs) um yeah it was fun that's pretty cool I know the timing was crazy oh, yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. that's very very cool Abby
2: uh, over break my sister and I we went to New York we went to a times talk with uh, I believe the panel was called the women of the good fight the TV show so uh, yeah we went to the panel there was Christine Baranski Audrey McDonald Chris uh, Jumbo and one of the show's creators Michelle King so they just talked about the show and kind of the new season and how everything ties into current politics
0: that's cool really cool how long were you in New York for? Uh, just the day. Just the day. Yeah. Did you do anything else fun while you were there?
2: Or? Uh, just walked around, enjoyed the city, Some no. sights. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, well, what about you? Um, so I just didn't really do anything. Nice. Nice. That's, that's yeah. i, I would that without the most. Um, deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're talking off pod with me. You work at an ice cream shop. I do. Explain. Uh,
3: <laughs> so I work there as a server.
0: Okay, and do you scoop ice cream?
3: Yeah. And uh I, I get to eat ice cream too. Nice. It's pretty good. Okay, favorite kind. Uh we have Campfire S'mores, which is like it's like graham cracker ice cream. Uh with marshmallow and chocolate chips. It's pretty good. That's cool.
1: Is this soft serve or hard serve ice cream?
3: Uh it's hard serve. We we have like basic like vanilla it's the and right chocolate. Way. But yeah.
0: So you're a server?
3: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Or like well it's like just I'm like a cashier, like, and then I get the ice cream. But cool, you get tips. Yeah, tip your ice cream people, everyone. Uh, is I, I that agree.
1: open this time of year? Yeah, ice cream already.
0: Open all year round.
1: Wow. Hmm.
0: Cool. Uh, yeah, I went to DC, saw you. Yeah. Arena. Uh, saw you know a bunch of museums. Didn't go there for anything other than pleasure, but it was fun. Well, yeah, that's so cool. Had a fun time.
1: Any sites to see if we all visit?
0: Let me think. All right, so I had gone to Washington DC in the eighth grade and mm-hmm. I didn't really like appreciate it as much as I did now um okay every building there looks like it's not real it, like it looks so big and like so pristine and like the most like perfect condition mm-hmm. like you look up towards the capitol building it just like looks like a painting
4: because mm-hmm. you're used to seeing it like on your phone or computer there's just, like, all, like a picture of it yeah and then you go up and you're like this is this is real I'm, I'm just yeah. saying they went
0: all out though like those buildings are huge uh-huh um i don't know if that's some sort of like superiority complex or whatnot but hey man cool buildings all right uh it looks like all the time that we have for now uh it was great having everybody tune in so be sure to uh keep subscribed to us on apple podcasts Uh, once again i'm mike connors
1: I'm Catherine Esten. And this has been the Collegiate News Hour. The
0: theme music for this podcast was created by Joaquim Karud and promoted by Audio Library. So make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating if you enjoyed today's episode. It really helps us out. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.